We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it begins. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We are services hello trends hello parth this is an unusual format for our program this is maybe the closest we've ever been for a recording look at that we're making i'm we're make we're touching our bodies are touching it's true you see trent and, and what i are the reasons for which yeah. have brought us to this point the reason for this uh, recording, and I don't, this might sound like the crispest we've ever sounded. Oh, I was worried we might sound worse than usual. You think better? Mm, I don't know. Let's look at our, how our waves are looking. Well, we can't really see the waves, but like we can see the levels. Yeah, the but, levels yeah. be bouncing. Um, Trent and, and I are on set today. We're on Sarah Brotman, friend of... Well, she's in the gray space, but... Yeah, gray um, space. Uh, friend off and off... Wait, and friend on. of and off the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on her set shooting her senior thesis, and that's why the last few weeks have been a little hectic for us. Mm-hmm. And Trent and I were like, Jesus, we really have to record this episode. Because we said we were going to do it on Monday, and we've been procrastinating and not acknowledging the fact that we neglected to do that. And we have an episode due, like, tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Or tomorrow morning, actually. Um, and I'm... Anyways, so... I'm... I, I had said to Trent, wait, we have the sound equipment. Should we record the intro right here with um, this Rode microphone that we have and um, just sort of get that done so we don't have to worry about that to- tonight? So Parth is holding a boom pole and swiveling it back and forth between our mouths as we sit on the foot of the bed in my childhood. Parth's childhood bed. Oh, Parth's childhood wait, bed? Wait, Trent, well, mm. you oh, don't you don't know what happened here. This is here. confusing. In my childhood bed where Sarah's filming her movie about loss and ghosts. Yeah, I mean it, it'll be out next 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 year May. Yeah. Um, but Trent, I'm I'm just wondering what you've been eating. Um, we actually set set life. Am I right? Am I right? So a set lunch, um, as an extension of set life, and um, we got comped free lunch from a uh, restaurant that I recommended because I used to work there. Paradiddle Griddle in Red Bank and Jay. Very good. When we looked at the menu after the menu was sent out to everyone, I looked at it, familiar with what their prices used to be, and now their prices are much more inflated. So a wrap went from like $11 to like $15. Would you say it's no bueno, the price increase? I mean, all price increases. I'm not blaming Leandro Batista, the owner and operator of the business, and my former boss, who I think is a great man. I think you should shop there. Um, if, if possible, but I was just shocked at the state of the economy when it was thrown in my face like that. Um, but what I did have, thanks for asking, a buffalo chicken quesadilla, added tomatoes and lettuce and onions, got some ranch dipping sauce on the side, you know. I, I kind of made fun of, um, Trent for the additives he had on his order and said, and like, and said, just said, on the side, in reference to Sally from When Harry Met Sally. Oh, Oh, I thought you were just re- referencing that I asked a ranch on the side, but you're saying all of my customizations make me high maintenance. You're the worst well, kind. You're 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 high maintenance who thinks they're low maintenance. No, no, that's true. But also, I used to work there, so I just like know how I like it, and I used to get to customize no, 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 it's, it. it you know how you like it. Um, <laughs> anyways, I had a, a Trent. You had a buffalo dia. Yeah, yeah. They abbreviate quesadilla to dia, which is infuriating, as you can imagine. But. I I had a 
barbecue. Dia? Dia. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, a Dilla? No. Mm. It's not culturally appropriate. Anyways. Was it um, good? It was, was really good. I quite liked it. Have you ever had Hansel and Griddle? In There's Dilla? Hansel and Griddle, although it's called something else now, uh, but it's like the same thing. And Bridgewater. Or in Somerville, but like... Well, you know. I, Alex Lane, we were in the car and talking about this, and I explained the whole oral history about the relationship between the mother, Hansel and Griddle, in New Brunswick, and how that Hansel and Griddle told the child Hansel and Griddles, the two other locations in Somerville and Red Bank, that they couldn't be Hansel and Griddles anymore, and so now they both had to change their name to, and menus to be slightly different, but not different enough to have to make them restructure their entire business. Same thing happened with us. Yeah. yeah, lightning strikes twice. But what? Um, we should we should cue the intro. Cue the, okay. Yeah. No. We, I mean, guys, we we just worked for just nine it? hours. I'm yeah. I'm excited to wrap. All right. Uh, uh, let's let's cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully I have a member of that film to talk about their experience working on the picture. This week we are talking with... Clint Wallace. Set designer Clint Wallace. We have to apologize. Last episode, part one of our interview with Clint Wallace, we incorrectly called him a set decorator. But he's so much more than that. Yes, he's a set designer. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just a slip of the tongue. We thank the world of Clint Wallace and his affiliates. Last week we were recovering from the effects of my set. Yep. My senior really, thesis. Really, our episode quality may have really uh, taken a detrimental hit given the amount of attention we're putting into other areas of our lives. But the guest quality has never been higher. No. Um, and AKA that, that continues. Wallace. That continues Set with Clint designer. Wallace. For which movie? Uh, this movie that we're talking about now is going to be um, Michael Mann's Collateral. Very nice. And it's a continuing segment in our series, Cruise of Palooza, where we cover the films, three films of Tom Uncharacteristic Cruise. Tom Cruise films. Yeah. Well, War of the Worlds is pretty characteristic, but I guess that's the only one. Um, but anyways, uh, without further ado, here's that interview. You spoke a little bit about how you don't know how a set looks until you kind of look through the lens, and this is a movie, I think that was like one of the first movie major motion pictures to make use of digital cinematography as much as it does, and I was wondering if that, you know, affected your process at all. Um, Again, because it was early in my career, I was a set designer, you know, not so much for me, Um, uh, but it, it was... You, you know, I think the probably the the biggest trick, uh, you know, in shooting a night in particular in exteriors is is uh, dealing with light and and how are you how are you getting the light that you want and what do you need? So that's largely, you know, that's the gaffer and the DP uh, that, right. that are responsible for that with the production designer, you know, of course, influencing, you know. Like, you know, the usual process is we'll come up with a concept, a concept design, and everybody signs off on it. And then that gives lighting, uh, you know, something to shoot for. So they're not, you know, making it up on the spot. 
So Parth informed me this morning, uh, and hopefully this is true, that Tom Cruise was using uh, live rounds uh, or live ammunition while on the set of this. Is, uh, did you witness that? Is that is that urban legend? Uh, thoughts? I never heard. I never heard that. I don't think that's true. I think the he did train with live rounds. Oh, that's okay. what it is. I do I, know that. Sorry, I, I misinformed. I, I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that this was too good to be true. All right, Parth, you have to ask the next question since you gave me false information. That that's my bad. I guess kind of getting into the third act, um, the the whole sequence where uh, Cruz is chasing Jada Pickett Smith uh, in the building, um, and I guess by extension the parking deck that you kind of see through, like that whole location seems very specific. Um, did uh, can you talk about working on that? Yeah, what's interesting about that is that. Um, you know, that's what's interesting about Michael is, you know, he's this hyper perfectionist, but he also can pivot pretty quickly. So it was scripted that the final battle uh, happened on the rooftop, that they went up to, oh. to, to the roof of that building, you know, after he, um, you know, is chasing Jada, you know, through that building. And then they have their big final you know, finale on the rooftop. And I believe it was a mixture of both story and logistical issues of shooting on that, on shooting on a roof. And so we switched it to, instead of going up to go down to the subway. And so we, uh, we built that subway car, uh, which was, you know, some on location, but some was on stage for, you know, the fight. So that was, that was, that was a build on stage, but the, the building itself was a building, uh, you know, an abandoned floor and dressed, you know, with, um, uh, you know, sort of dressed the camera. It was so dark and, and, um, uh, it's, it's a set I was not directly involved with. So, um, I, I can't talk too much about the specifics of that but you know i believe that was our location i don't think we did any of that on stage but we did do we did do the final battle in the in the subway on stage yeah that was going to be my next question is like uh i think it looks great i i, I was it's difficult for me to tell what was staged and what, what was real with the subway and i can't really imagine it not ending on the subway so it's interesting to hear that that wasn't originally how it was supposed to end um, so if there's any sort of knowledge you have on like making the set for, um, the subway, I guess. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, again, pretty straightforward recreating, you know, a subway car that, that had to be friendly to camera, uh, you know, that you can move the camera around. That's, you know, always the problem with shooting on location is, is you can't put a camera where you want it. You can't put lights where you want to. Um, so, you know, and so often, um, so much of the time, there's so many restrictions on a location. So often what happens is you scout with a director and you fall in love with the location. Like this happened on, on Top Gun. Mm. Uh, we, you know, we scouted, um, <clears throat> we scouted uh, the bar, famous um bar in california uh on the beach and we were oh, the gonna, hard deck we were gonna shoot oh, the hard deck yeah uh we were gonna shoot there 
And, you know, we thought it worked for the scene and, uh, but in negotiations, and this has happened multiple times in my career, bars are impossible because you, you, you have to shut down their business. So they wanted a million dollars, uh, for us to shoot there because it was peak summer and they're losing revenue and customers. So that's when we ended up building the whole hard deck down at NAS North Island, uh, on, on the beach, which was really cool. Um, where, you know, all that took place right there on the beach. And now I think they're, they're, they're re they're making it a permanent build somewhere else on, on the lot there, but it's still down there. So anyway, back to the subway, that, that's, that's why we built the subway. Cause it just, you know, for lighting, for practical reasons, uh, that's why you need to do it. So speaking of Top Gun and speaking of Tom Cruise, uh, we're covering Collateral as part of our Cruise-a-Palooza. So we're doing uncharacteristic Tom Cruise movies. Um, okay. And part, what, are the, what are the other two we're doing? We're doing War of the Worlds and Magnolia. Cool. Uh, so we were wondering if you had any uh, close encounters with Tom Cruise. Uh, the man or, himself. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good Tom Cruise anecdotes over the, or- the years because he seems to leave a little bit of an imprint on every crew member. Yes, 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 he does. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I, I did have interactions on, on Top Gun. You know, one story that's um, been, I think, now well known uh, is is the scene where uh, Ed Harris is where the Dark Star flies over Ed Harris and the roof comes off the building right next to it. And that was never meant to happen. So so the day before Tom was on set with us and he was like, guys, guys, that, that's Tom's thing. He always says, guys, guys, guys. Are you sure this is strong enough? And we, we kind of blew him off a little bit like, yes, Tom, it's going to be fine. We built things very strong. It's not a problem. And sure enough, on the day, uh, the trick was, is, you know, they started off. So we had the Blue Angels. So the way that was shot is we had the Blue Angels flying for real, which then VFX replaced with the Dark Star. So they started dropping lower and lower and lower until... They came, you know, about 10 feet above the ground coming over the top and then they'd go vertical and, and then you had that all that blowback, you know, from the from that. So on one of those shots, that's when the roof, um, you know, pulled off and everybody freaked out and they're like, you know, it was a big thing. But then, of course, it became a feature and it, it was actually enhanced in visual effects. They made it pop up even more than it, it actually did. So. The, the funny takeaway there with Tom is, you know, Tom's been at it for 40 plus years. You know, he's he's been in film. So he's a very smart, savvy, uh, you know, filmmaker. And, and like he knows what every department does and has a real awareness. You know, when we were talking about the schedule on Top Gun, he like quickly identified like knowing you know, this is too long a day. This is never going to work. Like we're never going to be able to get this done and then do this. And, um, you know, lots of, um, you know, just, just sort of lots of knowledge. Like I was, I was presenting to Tom the, the sequence when he's chasing the snow 
and and jumps over the log and is being strafed by by the helicopter and you know we're showing him the log and how the the you know scripts were gonna go and and then he was kind of laying out the shot he's like okay i'm gonna do one run clean i'm gonna do one run you know when we're doing the scripts you know in the snow and then we're gonna do another you know because he understands what visual effects needs he understands you know the process so well so he's you know a very so so the moral of the story is tom is always right uh, I, I mean, I guess this kind of segues us into, unless Trent, you have any more collateral questions. I was going to ask about Top Gun Maverick and like what your working experience on that was like. Um, just so you know, Trent and I are both big Maverick fans, and we interviewed the editor Eddie Hamilton. I heard, Hamilton. I heard that yeah. Eddie's uh, he's quite a character. He's he's he's, awesome. he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, so what was what was working on that movie like? It, it was probably one of my top, you know. In film, you know, sometimes you work on a, on a big successful movie, but the process of making the movie isn't that fun, and vice versa. You know, uh, you know, something that was a lot of fun is is a bomb. So that's what they say. Um, yeah, luckily this one it it kind of worked both ways. That it was it was one of my more fun projects that um, you know I think I've done in my career and it just was sort of lucky that it's got the reception that it has and it you know it turned out so well um, you know for us you know one really cool part was working with the Navy and just working with all the the fighter pilots um, uh, that was a, a cool experience because they would geek out you know on us with Top Gun and everything and then we would geek out on them with you know looking at the jets the f-18s and and you know we we spent a lot of time with them some of the sequences in the hard deck came about uh partially because we'd be drinking in the bar uh with those with those pilots and you know the the whole thing with the cell phone on the bar that's a real rule uh in the navy and uh there's this famous bar where we shot down at NES uh, North Island, which is uh, in San Diego and Coronado. Um, and so we, we kind of incorporated that. I don't believe that was in the original script, but now, you know, being there that, and it happened to our location manager at least twice where he put his cell phone on the bar. And then if you hit the planes that are above head that are hanging over, then you have to buy a drink for everybody in the bar or you put a cell phone in the bar. And I think he did it at least twice where put it, the cell phone and hit the planes in the same motion had to buy two drinks for everybody in the bar. So, um, yeah, that was really cool working with the Navy, you know, the Navy, the, you know, the joke with first top gun is it was such a big recruitment effort for, both the Navy and the Air Force, like enrollment went up radically. So in, in the first one, the Navy wasn't that um, cooperative. Like they were ultimately, but this one, they were much more involved. So we, we had a Navy guy embedded in our department uh, that was with us kind of all along the way. And at times we'd butt heads because, you know, the U.S. military doesn't operate at the same time scale that movies do. And so to, to get things approved and through the process could be challenging. Um, but it, it was still, you know, really cool working with those guys. And, um, you know, 
so you know so much of it you know building the dark star was a whole really cool process in itself we partnered with skunkworks which is uh famous where uh the the sr71 and so that's somewhat what this is based on where they do top secret um you know aircraft up in uh central california in the desert near palmdale so we ended up working a deal with them where they built that you know full scale they built the whole plane the the dark star we had you know we designed it great plane designer daniel simon uh working with joe came up with that and and jeremy hindle the production designer um but um that was really fun working with those guys and building that and um that whole that whole process while doing research on Maverick, I found out that the Dark Star was so realistic that China turned around a satellite because they thought it was a real um, aircraft. So I guess like that's cool. You fooled China. Yes, Tom loved that story. Yes, no, <laughs> yeah. he, he he loved that, and it's true because where we were shooting is this really high security, top secret. It's where they develop all these kind of planes, so they're well aware of you know, what China and Russia are doing with their satellites. So they saw that they had identified, you know, when we roll, we rolled the dark star out of the hangar that yes, that they had identified like, Oh, Oh shit. What's the U S building now? What's Tom Cruise doing? Yeah. Uh, You mentioned um, a little bit of a transition, but you mentioned another very exacting director and that's working with David Fincher on Benjamin Button. And, uh, Parth likes to nerd out about Tom Cruise, and I like to nerd out about David Fincher. So, any and all information, we'd be, we'd love to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, David uh, is is definitely exact exacting, but um, you, you know, my experiences with him were were all good. I mean, he's kind. Of, I think he's changed stylistically uh, over the years. Like on on Benjamin Button. Because you know he comes out of ILM, and so he he was he was very precise. Like um, there was this one shot I, I did the scene with the clock, the clock tower, and um, I remember David specifically sitting with me and being like, you know, on on my computer, like, okay, I want the camera right here. Tell me the distance where the camera is. This is the shot I want. And then sure enough, like he marked it out on set, put the camera exactly, you know, where it was. So um, now I think he's a little bit looser. Like, you know, it's pretty rare for directors to do that. Most of the time, you know, they have ideas about how they're going to shoot the set. And, and But a lot of times, unless it's a very heavily um, pre-vised or storyboarded sequence, that on the day, you, you know, you, you never know exactly where the camera is going to go. So at least back then, David was very specific about the, the whole pre-production and, and planning out his shots and and doing that. But I think he's loosened up. Yeah, I, I got my start. Uh, my first project that I got into the union was a Fincher project. It was 
he never ended up doing it. It was uh, oh, Lords of Dogtown. Lords of Dogtown. Yes. I yeah, I, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, saw, saw that on your IMDb. I was curious. Yeah, yeah. So he ended up giving it up because basically they didn't want to spend enough money. And David's like, fine, okay. And so Catherine Hardwick. And then one man made Zodiac, so it all worked. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, but um, and then yeah, I did a couple other projects that, with David that didn't go through. We we were doing. Um, we were doing the version of uh, Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Captain Nemo with Brad Pitt was attached. And that went fairly far. Um, um, but it was going to be in Australia. And then for whatever, whatever reason, he pulled the plug. How early in pre-production are you usually brought on? You know, if it, you know some of these big movies, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean... Um, you know, I was on that for two years uh, and we were, you know, that's, you know, probably uh, eight, six to eight months ahead. So, you know, big movies like that, you know, that's 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 different. But, um, you know, I'm doing a movie now uh, in, in Bulgaria, Red Sonia, which is a full fantasy film creating a whole world whole environment and we've had uh 13 weeks of prep to to do it and so it's been a real like you know rush to is it's it's full world building creating a language from scratch and and symbols and gods and uh so that's that's been a real interesting challenge but yeah that yeah the bigger big marvel movies um you know there's quite a bit of prep but, um, you know, I, I got involved for the last two years with doing uh, the additional photography of uh, production designing for um, the last six uh, Marvel projects from Black Widow all the way up to, to Strange. And, and there's not a lot of prep for those, but they're often significant builds. Um, like on Strange... That was a 50-day shoot, which is almost the same that I'm of the movie, you know, that I'm doing right now. We're 55 days. That was a 50-day reshoot on on Strange, so it was it was massive, uh, and we had very limited time, uh, and had a lot of reconcepting to do. Uh, but it was that was a fun one. That that was that was a cool one. Yeah, I I was actually going to ask. I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. And uh, you kind of mentioned him previously, and we've had a lot of people on that have said that he's like the nicest guy and really fun to work with. And would you concur? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a he's got a wicked sense of humor, and he he's definitely a, a funny a, a funny guy, and he will bust your balls, and um, uh, but also very um, collaborative. Uh, you know, very which you kind of appreciate those filmmakers that, you know, he's been around for a while and he's like, you know, you're the production designer. Give me some ideas. And, you know, it's okay if it goes, you know, sometimes it's the other way, you know, the director has a very specific vision and says, this is what I want this set to look like. This is my idea. But Sam is much more open, like show me something. And, 
So he, he kind of, I think, trusts the process, uh, which is, you know, which is nice. Awesome. Um, so like the last movie that we wanted to ask about, uh, which you were a set designer on was John Wick chapter three. Um, if there's any stories you can have from that, cause we are both fans of the Wick franchise. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I just came on in a specific role to do, uh, basically, uh, Chad, um, I mean, we kind of joked, but it, he pretty much wanted to do so. What I did is the all the glass set, the the glass building, that that whole thing, and 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 so our joke was that Chad wanted to do the biggest glass set ever done in the history of cinema, which I think it is. Um, and so um, we spent a lot of time on that. We we put it in VR. You know, we we had a couple like VR special uh, guys to previs the thing. Um, and what's interesting about that process is is with chad um you know coming from stunts that it's really stunt driven like so so we had the vr we had the set in vr and we had the stunt guys kind of helping drive the design of the set which is pretty rare like usually you work with stunts but they're usually later in the process so there they were like we were building the set around the stunts you know, kind of, but, uh, one thing about that set is like, it, it freaked people out because, uh, it, it was, you know, people couldn't walk on it cause it was, you know, all glass floors, all glass walls, all glass, everything. So it was, if, if you're having an issue with heights, it, it was, you know, a bit disconcerting. So they had to like cover the floor when they weren't shooting it. And so people felt comfortable walking on it. Parth, do you think it's time for the Big Kahuna final question? I think it's, we're approaching Big Kahuna o'clock. Yeah, it, okay, so the Big Kahuna final question is what is the last great not good film that you watched that you had little or nothing to do with creatively? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, because of the production I'm on now, um, We've been Gladiator was a big influence, so mm. like we've been studying that a bit, and a lot of the same beats and a lot of reference we're using. So that's been one that's been good to delve back into, and you know Joaquin's performance is so great as in that, and um, yeah, that you know we we're just shooting a sequence on Red Sonia with this burning forest where we had to build a huge burning forest. And, uh, we found out that we're like, how did Ridley get to burn this massive forest in that movie? We found out well the, the English government said, we're going to tear this down anyway. You have free reign. You can do whatever you want. So, um, we're like, well, that would have been nice to have. How, how did you go about burning your forest if you didn't have the same permission? We built it. We built it. So mm-hmm. we, we had to pour big, you know, get trees, real trees, but then you had to reassemble them branch by branch and pour them in big concrete footings and run gas lines for fire and, and build build a forest, yeah, for people to run through that are all on fire at night and all this. Is it meant to be reburned like, time and time again? 
Yeah, yeah. Like wood, actually, thick wood doesn't burn. Like it takes a long time to burn down, and and, and they hose it down. So yeah, we we shot for like seven nights, and it stood up pretty well. Um, but um, yeah, sorry. And then the, the other one I, I was just watching, and I know this is a little more lowbrow, but um, was uh, Stranger Things, which um, mm, sure. Uh, which I think is great. Uh, and the, the new season. Yeah. The, the new season. season, you know, it's amazing okay. to me that the Duffer brothers are, you know, didn't grow up in the eighties cause th- that's my era. Like I think this last year was 1986 and that was when I graduated high school and they really nailed the specifics of that. You know, it really brings you back to that, to that world. Definitely. Um, fun, fun for me. Cool. Awesome. Pub Parth, you want, you want to bring us out? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Clint Wallace, for coming on to the show. Uh, he worked on such films as The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, Top Gun Maverick, and our film for today, Michael Mann's Collateral. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. What a great interview, Trent. I couldn't agree more. Thank you to Clint Wallace, set designer. Not decorator. I hope you all at home learned something. And if you didn't... Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you for listening to our podcast. No, but like, if you actually made it all the way here, thanks. Congratulations and thank you. You're one of three, four people. I mean, the analytics don't tell us how many people listen to the end, but I'm kind of relieved that they don't. No, it's more than three or four, right? I I, I would assume. We I, have what? On YouTube, there's a statistic, and it says how f- the average time through your videos that people leave, and it's really discouraging. So I'm glad that we don't have that. <sighs> All right, it's time to end this. It's time to end We Okay. Right? Yeah. Oh, right. oh okay. Uh, well, no, just because like if, if people don't stay till the end, we better just make the end come as quickly as possible. Oh, we should just make our episodes like ten seconds long. Um. Okay. Uh, um. Okay. So the thank you for listening again. Um. Uh. So like and subscribe. We don't have subscribe. No. Uh. uh Twitter, go, check us Instagram. out on Stitcher. The, the most Sp- important one. Yeah, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts Stitcher, Auto, uh, Amazon, yeah. whatever, Pandora. We're all all of it. Um, go check us out on Twitter, Instagram and Twitter, uh, like, our two social medias, um, and five star reviews. Yeah, and, and join us next week for our discussion of collateral. Of collateral, and we will actually have time to talk, to about talk it in together. Depth. Yeah, wow. Um, and tell your friends about the show. It really that, does help. That would be nice. Um, yep. Next week, collateral. Tom Cruise, Michael Mann, uh, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll both have our mics next episode. Maybe Trent and I engaged in some activity. Post-pod activity. Bye.